again, uh, well, Psalm 37, turn there if you would, please, and made your transition uh, up in the sound booth there. I went up to turn up the sound this morning here and realized I haven't turned the sound on in four years around here. I didn't know how to turn on. There are 200 knobs up there. I have no idea what I'm doing up there. So we didn't have any sound uh, for the 815 service, of course, and uh, my assistants have done that for the last two years or four years, I should say. And then, by the way, we have eight, I counted up, eight college graduates that all took off this week back to colleges in Florida and California and around the country, of course, and so we're missing them, of course, but uh, Brother Raul, it's good to have you. Just, just for the record, this is uh, on the fly here, 110, Spirit of the Living God, after you sing, if you just do that little praise course for us, 110, and that's how we get our kids out of here. That's how we get our junior church to leave, okay? So we'll do that here. So now, he didn't know the protocol, so in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you'll stand with me again, Psalm 37, let's read verses... 21 through 26, six verses, responsively, three verses for you and three verses for me. Would you please read with me in unison verses 22, 24, and 26. Allow me to read verses 21, 23, and 25. Psalm 37, verses 21 through 36, or 26, and reading responsively. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread." He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. And may God have his blessing in the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, in the last minutes we have together as we look at thy word, speak to our hearts, we pray. Lord, I pray a prayer blessing on our entire church body to this morning here. Lord, those that are with us and those that are away from us, Lord, bless them wherever they're at. Lord, we don't pray for those that are in heaven tonight or this morning here, Lord, where we pray for their loved ones. Help us to walk with thee in the time that you have left for us to walk with thee, we pray. Blessed in the preaching of thy word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, congregation, for singing so well. Thank you, choir. Take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 37. I'm going to exegete the passage in the Marty Schott exposition, that is, of, in about 60 seconds. Look at verse 21 for just a moment. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. The righteous pull their own load, they carry their own water, they take care of other people as well. Verse 22, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. By the way, there is a coming millennial kingdom and children of God will be part of that thousand year millennial reign, of course. And, but the wicked will be no more, they'll be cut off. Verse 23 is a great verse to preach on, but we're not going to preach on it per se. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, or ordained by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, boy, I've fallen a number of times, hundreds of times in my life. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. I have a cross-reference of a famous verse, Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falls seven times. And rises up again. I thank God for his mercy. 
For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand, in ever, and underneath are the everlasting arms, the Bible says in Deuteronomy. Verse 26, he is ever merciful and lendeth in his seed. He's blessed. Verse 25, okay, I'm good. I have, I have been young, I have been young, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed. Begging bread. Uh, we were in Canaan yesterday at Ray and Bonnie's, and then we, uh, Kevin and I drove up to, up to Canaan proper, and from Falls Village, Canaan, most of you know the Route 44, and then down to Norfolk, and it dawned on me as we passed a certain house on Norfolk, just past south of this, this town there, my memory bank went back to 34 years to the very day, today. Sunday, August 25th was my birthday, 1985, I preached my first message at Harvest Baptist Church. Amen. Linda, you were there. Your three kids were there. Slim and Pauline was there. Kathy was there. Miss so Jesse Holsey was there. Sonny and I, and one or two others. There's 11 of us gathered together. I preached my first message there. My 27th birthday, for the first time I ever forgot my birthday, Sonny forgot my birthday, we were up with the Abbots uh, about 2 p.m. on the certain house that's up there and we passed it, and Kevin Fontaine was with me, and I said, that's, that's the house right there. 32 years ago, or 34 years ago, we uh, ate lunch at the Abbott's house. Or they were living there at the time. And the story, backstory, I'll try to do this quickly, but when we came to Connecticut, I was a 25-year-old young man, and many of you know Pastor Bob Crichton. We stopped in Danbury, and we went to church at Colonial Hills Baptist Church, and the first city that I looked at to come to to start a church was Torrington, Connecticut. Now, don't be offended by this, but I never heard of Torrington, Connecticut in my entire life. Being an Ohio boy and going to, you know, living in Illinois and going to school in Wisconsin, et cetera, coming out here, this is all new territory to us. And I, and I went through the Rand McNally map, and I wanted to start a church somewhere in Connecticut, New England. And I went through the Rand McNally map in the back of it. I went A, B, C, D, E, F, G, a very scientific way to figure out where I wanted to start a church at. And I wanted to start a church in a town, not too big, not too small, a town about the size of Ashtabula, Ohio, where we came from, where I came from. And Ashtabula at the time was about 31,400 people. I went through the, the alphabet there, the Rand McNally map, and I got to Torrington, Connecticut, 31,400 and some people. I said, that's it, that's the town. I went to Pastor Crichton, I said to him, I was 25 years old, no embellishment to this story whatsoever. I said to him, uh, is there a church, an independent Baptist church in Torrington? And uh, come to find out there was, there was a couple, actually. Evangelical Baptist was the other one, of course, obviously. But there was Harvest Baptist Church that had been started about four years earlier. He said, yes, there's Harvest Baptist Church. And I used to divorce it from my mind because uh, I thought we were supposed to come out here to New England and start a church somewhere. And I heard that Harvest Baptist Church had already been going. And he told me, Pastor Crichton told me, now I'm a Baptist, by the way, but I got a little bit of Pentecostal in me because uh, uh, Pastor Crichton said to me, he said, Marty, if I were you, I would not start a church until I was 27 years of age. On 34 years ago and a day from now, or uh, yesterday, uh, 1985, August 24th, 
our phone rang about 5 p.m. in the evening. Sonny and I were in the choir at the church at Colonial Hills Baptist. We were teaching Sunday school class. We were highly involved in the church. And pastor said, Marty, there's a preacher that was coming up. The pastor from Harvest Baptist just resigned a couple weeks earlier. And there's a preacher coming up from the south. And his car broke down in Maryland. He's supposed to be up there to preach tomorrow. Can you go up there and preach? So I did. And uh, just so happened to be, uh, honestly, Sonny can witness this. She forgot my birthday. I forgot my birthday. It was 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. We were the Abbots. And we remembered, hey, it's your birthday today. Well, the first Sunday I ever preached at Harvest Baptist Church was on my 27th birthday. 34 years later. Now, by the way, I preached this message about four months later to 17 people. I keep a diary. Most of you know that. And uh, Linda, you were probably there, by the way, I imagine. And I preached this message in, uh, 34 years ago. And let me just summarize by just saying, you know, we've got to get moving with the message. God's been so good to us. He's been so good to this church. It's his church, not our church. Never, never, never has been our church. It's always been his church. The day it becomes our church, the day it needs to fold. And uh, he's been good to us. He's been good to me personally. And I don't say this in any boast or brag. I've done a lot of wrong things for sure. There's no doubt about that. But if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it all over again. Except for one thing. I wish I would give him more. Amen. I wanted to give him more. The song says, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. Amen. I picked up the phrase, I don't know, many years ago now. I don't know who coined it first. But uh, too soon old, too late smart. And uh, I was giving my grandson, uh, my 13-year-old, it's hard to believe, Bradley Boy, I call him Bradley Boy still. He's starting ninth grade tomorrow in North Carolina, sixth school in eight, nine years, of course. And uh, so I was giving him the grandpa pep talk. And uh, before he went, I said, Bradley, it's so important. He's, he's, he, they tested him, and he's in some honors classes that somehow apply for college. I don't know how that happens when he was a freshman in, in high school, but anyhow... So he's got this pretty heavy case or course load. Uh, and I said, Bradley, it's so important that you put your best foot forward, that you try as hard as you can. Because when you get older, you'll realize. I said, many young people don't realize how important it is to, to try as hard as they can early on in their life and be all that they can be for the Lord and, and do right and so forth. So I, I don't know how much of that he, he, he heard with his physical ears, but hopefully he heard with his spiritual heart as well. This message, first of all, I suppose, would be to young people. I have been young, David said, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. But I could give you the punchline of the message in just a phrase right now, and we'll, we'll preach on it. But live your life with no, try to live as much of your life as you can with no regrets. We all have regrets here, don't we? I mean, young people. Now, if I could turn back the clock, and by the way, as much as I'd like to turn back the clock, I don't want to turn back the clock. I don't want to go back. I've come too far to look back now. But if I were, if I were young again, and I'm not, it was 34 years ago, 27 years of age, and 100 pounds less, no gray hair, none of these. I could actually hear. You people were clear as a bell. Now you're fuzzy. You're, I know you're out there somewhere. It's tough. Tough getting old is not for sissies for sure, but if I if I were young again, which I'm not, if I had it to do all over again, 
I just have five soundbite points this morning, and I think it's applicable to every one of us here. First of all, I would try, if I were young again, I would first of all try to live better, try to better satisfy my parents. My my, uh, 82-year-old mom called this morning. We call almost every Sunday morning, so it's nothing unusual there. Uh, 63 years are coming up on marriage. I've told the story many times. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My dad just got saved three years ago. Mom got saved through Billy Graham on television. Sixty-two years of marriage. Working on sixty-three. Mom had four kids. She had five. They had five, of course. My other four siblings, two brothers, two sisters. Uh, she had four by the time she was twenty-four years of age. Stay-at-home mom. I could tell you stories. Maybe you can relate. Yeah, they had to get married. They won't hear this message. They don't have a computer. They'll never know that I said this. And uh, so they had to get married. That's what you did back in those days. High school seniors. My dad was a dropout, actually. And as they say, the rest is history. But the Bible says, see, Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, this is right. Uh, I would encourage you, Ephesians 6, 2 says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Everyone here, if I were to ask you a show of hands, I made a mistake in 815 service. We got an older crowd in 815 service, smaller crowd, of course, but the 20 or so that we had, almost all older, as old as I and older. And I asked how many have parents that are alive and hardly like two hands raised. So I won't ask you if your parents are alive, but some of you do have parents that are alive. And I, I ask you the question, and I... The Bible commands us that we honor them. Let me just preach for just a second here. If you don't honor your mom and dad, if you've got bitterness in your heart towards your mom and dad, first of all, shame on you. Get over it. If you're a man, be a man. Quit busting on your, well, my dad wasn't there for me. Tough! Plenty of other people didn't have a dad for them them either. My mom wasn't all she should be. Tough. You had a mom, didn't you? Get a dad. Honor them. Think of the good things. Obey them. Ephesians six three says that obey them. It's the first commandment with promise. And what's the promise? That it will be well with thee, and that thou mayest live on the earth, or that thou mayest live long on the earth. It's a blessing to those that bless their parents. My mother and my my sister, my excuse me, her sister, my aunt, obviously. I said, Aunt. And to me, it's, it's Aunt in Ohio. I finally broke it after 30 something years. I did, that just came out naturally, Aunt, my Aunt. Uh, but uh, she's 84, Mom's 82. They're in better shape than I am, I'll tell you right now. They're in great shape. But uh, they honored their parents, too. My grandmother and grandfather, obviously, their mother and father. There's a blessing. If I had it to do all over again, and I was a pretty good kid to begin with, to be honest with you. But if I had to do all over again, I'd honor my parents more. And all God's people said, 
If you've got a parent to honor, honor them. Love them. Forgive them. Secondly, if I had to do all over again, just sound bites this morning. I know it's a topical message, but I, I think it's very practical. If I had to do all over again, Hebrews 11:25 says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I, I would, if I had to do all over again, I would not serve Satan as long. Somehow kids get in their head, maybe from parents, maybe from older, older siblings or whoever, and a wayward or a bad aunt or an uncle or whatever. Go ahead and sow your wild oats. Live a little bit. Have some fun while you're young. I'm going to step over a line. Maybe I shouldn't step over, but I think Bruce would forgive me. I've been in correspondence with Bruce Kachuk. Pray for Bruce. Bruce has got a love for the Lord. I believe Bruce is uh, I, I buried his mother. Stop it. His brother called uh, to this last week. We may see his brother. Bruce comes from a tough family, real tough family. But Bruce, Bruce is a sweetheart. He's getting out of prison. He spent most of his life, 31 years, 31 years. When he was 19, he messed up. And he's been following for his whole life. He's going to get out with a clean record here in October. First time he's excited about it. Wants to come back to church. But you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Some sense of youth follow you for a lifetime. It's just a little bit of fun, a little bit of pleasure. As Proverbs says, that the last it bites like a serpent, stinks like an adder. Sin has guilt. Sin has power. Sin has condemnation. Sin is, it gets habitual in people's lives. Sin dooms. Sin, sin ultimately damns. If I were young, again... And I got saved at 11 years old. I'm thankful for that. But, and I'm not blaming this on my parents, but we didn't go back to church for about another six years other than occasional VBS. I wish I would have given God more when I was young. Young people, if you grew up in a Christian home, be thankful for that. Amen. Don't think, I got it so rough. I haven't been able to have fun. <laughs> Amazing how Satan warps our minds. If I was young again, I wanted to, I would better satisfy my parents. If I was young again, I would, I would not serve Satan as long. Number three, if I was young again, I would study my Bible more diligently. Amen. I think of, I always think of Pastor Melvin Swanson. I'm sorry, he always comes to mind every time I think about Bible study and Bible reading. Well, I look at Raul because Raul's met the Swansons, of course. Marcus, now the pastor of the church, they've only had two pastors in 75 years. Daddy, Melvin, he's in his 90s. He's uh, almost nursing home ready now. But he's read his Bible through at least 500 times. He encouraged that big church back in the 70s. Uh, of course, not even part of, uh, part of it for two years in Berean Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois for two years. And, and big church, 700,000 to 1,300 on big days. And he had one message. He only had one message, holiness. 
Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. He preached from the Bible. He encouraged hundreds of people and it turned into thousands of people. And I dare say tens of thousands of people, maybe that's an exaggeration, but the Golden State Baptist College, that's his son-in-law, Brother Jack Treber. He's encouraged thousands of people to read their Bible through in a year. And the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And let me just interject if I could. If I was young again, I said I'd read my Bible more diligently. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to practice the Bible. You can't actually read the Bible. There are people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they're not doing anything with it. Be a doer so that we're not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. And so if I were young again, I would encourage you. I don't think I've ever wasted one minute of my, I read my Bible through 30 Sometimes now, 32 times I have it marked in the front of my Bible, I can't remember. I don't think I wasted one minute by reading my Bible. I know I haven't wasted one minute by trying to serve the Lord and trying to live out the Bible. If I had to do it all over again, young people, read your Bible. More than, it's the book of books. Then number four, if I had it, if I was young again, then I'll never be young again. But if I, if I was young again, if I could turn back the clock, I would surrender to the Lord earlier in my life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Romans 12, 1 and 2, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I do not want to make mention, and this, this, this message could be seeming like it's all about I don't want it to be about Marty Schott. I want it to be about the Savior. But I, I don't want anybody to think that you have to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist a full, in a full-time way in order to be a real servant of God. That's a lie. You are, there's no second-class Christians with God. You're all first-class children of God. Everyone's a child of God. God's got you in the factory. God's got you in the office. Wherever God's got you in the home, as a homemaking position, ladies, wherever you're at, God has a job for you to do, and we're all missionaries if we're called by the Lord. We're called to surrender to him. I'll do it quickly, but the, the life of C.T. Studd. Now, I know that name doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but if I were to say the life of Michael Jordan, everybody would say, oh, I know that name. LeBron James or uh, Tom Brady. or When you said to, to the world, the world, uh, 80 years ago, 100 years ago, C.T. Studd is a soul. Uh, pardon the slang, but C.T. Studd, his physique matched his name. He was a man's man. He was a star. I don't know how you can have an all-star cricket player, but he was a cricket player in England. 1860, he was born, died in 1931. He was an ardent missionary for the Lord in China. In India, Pastor Parmar talked about him in several minutes in the service this morning. And then gave his life in Africa. But he wrote those, that poem, and take me several minutes to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's rather lengthy. But C.T. Studd gave his whole life, gave his millions of pounds. He was a multimillionaire. Gave it all away, all away, all away to the work of God. It's an amazing story. There's several books, number of books that have been biographies of C.T. Studd that have been written. You can get your hands on them. He said, first of all, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart. 
and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. He's in the, if there's a, such a thing as the Cricket Hall of Fame, I don't know if there is, but he's in it. He's known by every Englishman, if you, they know their history, that is. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will his fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life shall soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Nine more verses, verse number nine. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear, I'll hear the call, I'll know, I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. C.T. Studd. If I, had, if, I, if, I had to be, if I could be young again, if I were young again, I would live my life to... So I would surrender to the Lord earlier. He is no fool. Jim Elliott died on that beach of, uh, in the, with the Aki Indians in Ecuador in 1956 at the age of 28. Married, no children yet, but he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. When we surrender our life to the Lord, we're to put all of our life on the altar, not part of it, all of it on the altar. We're to give them all the chambers of our heart, not just some of them. Total victory comes through complete surrender. If I were young again, I would not serve Satan as long. If I were young again, I would read my Bible more diligently. If I were young again, I would surrender to the Lord. If I were young again, I would better satisfy my parents. But fifthly, if I were young again, I would sacrifice more willingly. Proverbs 24, verse, Proverbs 11, verse 24, rather. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but attendeth to poverty. Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you, Jesus said. Pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into their bosom. For the same measure you meet, wherewithal shall be measured unto you again. It's the truth, you can't outgive God. I, I don't think Pastor Rich would mind me using him from the pulpit in this banner. Uh, he Facebooks like five times a day, I understand. And I saw on his Facebook page the other day, he had a picture of his house that I was just at a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Rich and Carrie live on a 200-acre uh, farm now. They own seven of the 200 acres. The rest is owned, some divided, or rather just fields. It's a beautiful, maybe some of you saw it online did a, one of those rotation, rotating uh, 360s, you know, around showing the property. And uh, somebody died in the church, and uh, the family wanted to be a blessing to their pastor, and they gave a great sweetheart of a deal to Pastor Rich and Carrie to buy the house. They got a 30-year mortgage, it's true, but they bought the house for about $60,000 less than they, they could have got for the house. So they got a $60,000 gift given to them, essentially. Pastor Rich, and this is where I... Tattle, as it's called. Pastor Rich has given over $60,000 to missions in the last 10 years since he's been pastor there, not counting tithes and offerings. And he really believes, and I believe it as well, that God takes care of those that provides for his work. He cannot give God. Uh, 
will always be more sacrificial or I will sacrifice more willingly. If I had to be, do it all over again, God's always taking care of his servants that serve him and, and, and believe him. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Spend your life serving others. Give your life away. Others, your Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Uh, help me to live for others that I may live like thee. And so we see this back to our text here, back to our verse one more time, and don't turn me off here. I've got a few more minutes, please. Psalm 37. I have been young, the psalmist said, and now I'm old. By the way, we think David died at 72, give or take a year or two. He wasn't that old man. Assuming he's the writer of this psalm, which is the general assumption, he's maybe in his late 60s. He says, I have been young. Now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. Now, today I'm setting a new course in my life here at 61 years of age. I, I got to quit talking about how old I am. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm not that old. Yeah. I'm 61. Yeah. So you 80-year-olds, so you look at me as a, just a new pup. And I got to thinking about it. And we had the parades here. I'll pick on the parades. They were sitting over here. They're in their 84, and I won't say how old Mrs. Parade is. We had Beverly here. She's in 80. We had, we had Cecile here. She's 80. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> 79 and counting. And I got to thinking about it. I titled the message. You saw it in the bulletin how I titled the message. I have been young, and now I'm old, but not that old. So I remembered my favorite place to go eat when I was a kid, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you know the story, I don't even need to tell you. Good old Colonel Sanders. He was 65 when he got out of that gas station restaurant that he founded there in Kentucky. And he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. And the rest is history. Grandma Moses, the famous painter, started painting it when she was 78 years of age. Noah Webster wrote his dictionary, the greatest dictionary in the history of the English language when he was 66 years of age. Ben Franklin signed, one of the early church, early fathers, of course, of our country, at 70 years of age, Declaration of Independence. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, you know the story. Son of a prince, would have been the, could have been the pharaoh. And he spent, it wasn't until he was 80 years of age that God had to break him, and it was his greatest days when he was at 80, when he led the children out of the Exodus. We believe that Daniel went to the lion's den when he was in his 80s, and you know the rest of that story. John, the revelator, probably got his revelation in the, in when he was in his 80s, or some say even 90s. So I want to give you two sound bites here, and this is the whole message here now in the last few minutes that we have. Let me talk to young people. Now you say, who's young? Anybody that's under 61 is young this morning here. So I'm talking to you. If you're, if you're under 61, you're a young person. Now this is authoritative. I'm telling you right now. You, you thought you were old. Maybe if you're under 61, you are young. Now if you're young, listen to me. Let me give you the, the best words of This is deep. This is really deep. I mean, this is really, really deep. If you're young, give him your best now. Amen. Now. 
man, I, I don't like this one. I, I'm getting over this too, by the way. I, I don't like when I get emotional from the pulpit. I really don't. It bothers me. It's my flesh, I suppose, more than my spirit, I suppose. But I don't, I don't like it. But Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. In fact, let me, let me read the rest of that verse here because I don't have it quoted or memorized. Uh, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. Somebody asked me the other night how I slept. And my answer was, well, about as good as I sleep now. You know, I, pardon me, you folks that wear, wear these things. It's just been the last few years for me. And I should have them on now. I need bifocals. I remember the day when I was, I mean, I had eyes like, like an eagle. I could see anything. I had ears. I didn't know how good my ears were, but they were good. I had 100 less pounds. I had no gray hair. I had, I mean, I was, I don't think I was cocky, but man, I was, I saw a video, by the way, just the, uh, a couple months ago, I saw a video of a wedding I performed 26 years ago. I said, who is that good-looking pastor there? <laughs> man, I was shocked. I said, he, you know, he wasn't so bad-looking after all. I was, I was kind of impressed with myself. <laughs> Boy, those days are long gone. But... If I were young again, if you are young, if you're a youngster, give your very best to the Lord now. Amen. Don't wait. Don't live your life with regrets. It'd be the worst thing you can do. Amen. Now, for the second class of people when, when the sound of my voice, you that are older than 61, you're old. <laughs> you say, What do I do now? I'm old. Another sophisticated point. Maybe you can help me out with fill in the blank. Give him, if you're old, give him your best now. now. Acts 20, 24. Paul said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. How many people knew when Paul went to the Roman prison, Mamertine there in how many people knew, did it make the Roman Times headlines? The Apostle Paul got his head cut off today. How many people knew, knew it? How many people did Paul lead to the Lord in his lifetime? Oh, no doubt many. But how many people have been led to the Lord since Paul died? You know, Revelation says that our works do follow. You see, when I went by that house in Norfolk, I remember Slim and Pauline Abbott. You got to go up to the pavilion and see the picture of Slim. That was a Casanova picture. But Slim was a servant of God. When I think of him, of a prayer warrior. Oh, I can tell you so many stories about Slim Abbott. From a human standpoint, he was the Peter of this church. 
he gave his last years of his life. I'm not saying that you've got to do this. I don't do it. He gave all his money that he worked for, he gave it to the church. I mean all of it. I think he saved some money for some peanut butter sandwiches from time to time, and I'm really not joking very, very much at all. And uh, I saw him in that bed about an hour after he died. Ironically, when I got the news, ironically, amazing story, it just popped in my head. I was at the old church building. He just died, what, how long has been, Brother Abbott's been gone now, four or five years, four years? But I happened to be at the old church building. They had renovations going on. It's another Pentecostal church, and they asked me to come and see their new building. And I was in that building that Brother Abbott helped buy and, and was so faithful for all those years. And I got the call that Slim had passed into heaven. I went to his bedside, and there he was. Laying there in the corner, I hadn't come yet. Just me and him. He was more alive than I was. And uh, champ, one word I said. You see, he still, still follows. His works still go on. Oh, there's no way I can even do this here. In one minute, you, you have no clue who Henry Obukai is, most of you. He lived right over here on Torneford Street for a few years. He died in Cornwall, Connecticut at 26. He was buried in Cornwall. Now he's buried in Hawaii. The Hawaiian theatrical group is coming to, they're coming to Yale, they're coming to Williams College, they're coming to Boston, they're coming to Haverhill, they're coming to Andover, Mass, they're coming to the Washington, D.C. Bible Museum, they're coming to Torneford Church right here, the Congregationalist Church. On the 200-year anniversary of Obuakaya, it's a major big event, to be honest with you. The number one theatrical group in Hawaii, no joke. The number one actor, play actor, is playing Obukaya. It'll be right down the street here in October. October's 12th, Saturday night. Well, Obukaya dies. It just takes me too long to, to explain this, but there's no embellishment in this story. He dies, and the missionaries from Goshen, Connecticut get sent out in the, from Bar, Park Street Church in Boston. And they sail around the five-month voyage in 16 or 1820, 200 years after the pilgrims. They land in Hawaii. And arguably, no, in fact, it's not even really debated of those that know your history. The greatest revival in the history of Christianity took place in Hawaii. All the islands got saved. The Gilbertese Islands, the Marshall Islands, the, the, the Marquise Islands, the the Fiji, those islands where the headhunters and cannibals, thousands got saved, tens of thousands. After he was dead, every Hawaiian, by the way, knows Obuakaya, Henry Obuakaya. Died at 26. He never got to go back to, Connecticut, to, to Hawaii. Just his dead body was exhumed by the University of Connecticut, and they sent him back to Hawaii just 20-something years ago. I've been at the graveside. You can see Captain Cook's monument from, with a naked eye about two miles away across the bay. His kahuna uncle there, of course, said was a witch doctor and was the, he offered thousands of human sacrifices, of course, where it's right there. And the story is just absolutely phenomenal, one of the greatest stories in all of his Christianity. But Obuakai, in his lifetime, he became a great missionary here in New England in his whopping 26 years of life, in his last seven, eight years here in Connecticut and New England. But his greatest exploits have been after he went on to heaven. 
it's important, you old folks, that you live for the Lord now, that you finish well, because long after you are gone, your life will still speak. Very important. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for young people. They've got their life in front of them. May they live for you now. I pray for us old folks. Lord, we're not that old. You may have more for us to do. Maybe our greatest days are ahead, not behind. May we give it the best to our master, we pray. Lord, bless in our invitation time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 166 in Zimbabwe.